0: Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt.
1: Well, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that this is going to set your week up for really an inspiring, um, inspiring and just new way of thinking when it comes to your life. And so I want to talk today about this issue of sacrifice. And I know we all hear this word and we wonder, and we cringe when we hear the word because nobody likes to sacrifice. It's very painful. At least I know it is for me. And I would rather sacrifice things that maybe aren't as painful instead of just doing what I know I need to do. And so I want to talk a little bit with you about the book that I um, wrote about 10 years ago. And that is the book, God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. And I want you to think about when it comes to truly living, what does that mean to you? What do you think about when you say, I am really, really living? I'm living life, I'm living life large, right? Well, I want you to think about that. If you, if you are there, how did you get there? What did you need to do in order to get there? So one of the ways that I went through this process, and I have to tell you, this was a pretty grueling process for me, and it started out with i was asked to speak in uganda in 2011 and this was i was invited to the largest church in uganda and they wanted me to speak on the chapter 11th chapter of john which is the story of lazarus and i'm sure we've all heard about lazarus so the surprise that i had from wow getting this this um invitation from half the world away was really interesting, and very g- gave me lots of enthusiasm. And I wanted to connect with another culture. And I wanted to be able to really elucidate the love of God and the love of Christ to people who may not have ever heard of this. And so, you know, I I rose in the pre-dawn hours one morning, and I said yes. I called her, and I said yes, I would love to make the trip. But what, was, uh, what I wasn't anticipating was... How much I didn't want to write the presentation, because if you've listened to the show long enough, you know how much I really do not like writing, even though I write a lot. (laughs) It's very arduous for me. It's very painful process for me. So this is what I want you to think about. I do have what I know about myself is I do have a lot of ideas and I'm always happy to tell people about them. And I like to explain and expound and expand on whatever it is that my latest thought is. And so I am in many ways, a very verbal communicator. So writing is really hard for me and I have a tendency to go over and over and over what I've written. And I want to change this word to that word and it becomes very, very painful. So what was great about writing this book was that it actually happened fairly quickly. Now, that doesn't mean it wasn't a very painful process because it was. But within about 45 minutes, wow, I got the message. I got the message that I was supposed to write for these these people in Africa. And that became the new book. And so the impetus was the message from John chapter 11, verse 35. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, but one of the longest and deepest examples of God and his concern, his compassion, and sympathy for the plight of his people. And that we don't even know that he's doing this for us. And so, this particular passage is very famous and it reads simply Jesus wept. Now, what does that mean to you? What does it mean if you have had someone weep over you or cry over you or cry with you about your circumstances? How, how do you feel? What, it doesn't isn't it strengthening, and it makes it so it's not so quite so painful. So when I took this message to Africa, I told the people who didn't have any running water, who were dying of AIDS, and you know whose church, as I spoke one night, was being guarded with machine guns, and police officers. So when I shared with them that I earn my living talking to people who are unhappy, depressed, and anxious, they really couldn't have, they they couldn't even comprehend it. Because these people are dealing with political strife all the time. They can't feel safe in their own homes. They're depressed because of someone that they knew kept saying that, wow, we need new blood, new blood, because there was such an AIDS crisis there. And so they didn't even know where their next meal was coming from. And quite understandably, they couldn't really imagine what Americans would have to be unhappy about. But if we're honest with ourselves, right, we could, we could be the first people to tell the Ugandans that money doesn't buy us peace, and health, even if we're, we're sacrificing or, or working on it, can't always bring us joy. See, the struggles and the pain in Africa are very concrete and very survival-driven. Now, they may suffer from depression and anxiety and unhappiness, but other needs and shortages are much more pressing So the inner conflict oftentimes gets ignored. There simply isn't enough resources to address whatever little difficulty they're having. And so the struggles of first world dwellers are intensely internal. See, our physical needs are met for us, most of us in America. And in our comfort, we become keenly aware that our inner world is a disaster and there are wars inside of our minds. When we have the time and energy to take a look, right? We hunger, we thirst, right? Maybe we're dying. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we have a lot more advantages than any other country in the world, even when ours is in such disarray right now. So while I don't have answers, right, to uh, end world hunger or spread peace throughout the earth, I can address the inner turbulence that we all face. And so the message that I was really contemplating and putting together was that God revealed to me in this early morning that whether you're a distressed Ugandan looking for meaning in the midst of great difficulty or a comfortable American searching for the ever-elusive happiness, this is a way to help put off what is weighing you down so that you can come closer to becoming the best version of yourself. And I'm sure you've heard me say this so often, be your own best version. Well, this is one of the ways I got it. This is one of the ways that God revealed it to me. And so we are subject to the whims of this sin-stained, you know, life that we have. But what we do know is that God is perfect and all-knowing. And even when it comes to the trickiest areas of our life, He is with us. And so this message has been, you know, really given to me by God, and it was a great experience, even though it forced me to really look at my own life. So wherever you place your trust or whomever you follow, the way is the same, as are my answers. You don't have to believe in God to benefit from these insights. The insights that I'm giving you, you don't have to attribute them to God, but just know what I have to tell you is simply the only successful way I have ever come across how to live the abundant life and want it to be possible for every human on this planet, no matter what their circumstances. And so you might say, you know what, even me? You know, perhaps you're facing really deep-seated, dark, internal pain, and you've only just begun to sort it out. Maybe you're, you're more concerned about physical safety right now. And it could be that your life maybe appears to be in working order, but you know it's not. Or quite possibly, it seems that your life is a bundle of messes that no one, not even a higher power, could sort out. Well, I have been there, and that's one of the reasons that that I've written all about this is because, you know, I had this life that looked great on the outside, but my internal world was a wreck, and I was miserable. And, you know, we always think there's someone, you know, who has it worse. And maybe that's true. A a lot of times it is. But I want you to think about when I was researching for this book, I learned about this famous Holocaust survivor. And he's an Austrian neurologist and a psychiatrist. And his name is Viktor Frankl. And I've read so many of his books. And so like millions of other people, he was exposed to these hellish, hellish atrocities on a daily basis, not much more than maybe 70 years ago. So he survived incredibly. And the way he did was that his hope in humanity kept him alive. So he survived and incredibly, I mean, really think about this, his hope in humanity also survived so he survived by becoming bigger than the trauma not through closing a blind eye but through clinging to what he knew was good and finding meaning where it looked to anyone else like there was no meaning see my point is not that he and the others quote had it worse than us you know most there we can always find someone that has it worse than we do but what happened was Dr. Frankel managed to rise above it and to discover the abundant life that God had for even him, even in a place of death. So this isn't that we can something that we can do on our own, but God wants to help us discover this unique way. He will help us to get to this point so we can become truly the best version of who we really are supposed to be. And it gives us opportunity to work out the bugs and move closer and closer to what the designer had in mind for us. So you do this for your computer by regularly installing updates, right? So that it operates better than it did a week ago or a year ago. And and you do updates on ourselves in the same way. So we must first uncover the bugs and what's holding us captive. What harmful thoughts, actions, behaviors, or relationships are keeping us from being who we were meant to be. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this issue of sacrifice, tolerance, and being the best version of you. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me, and thank you also for visiting the website, taking advantage of all the things that, that are available there. There are study guides. There are many books that you can download as well. And there's there's thoughts for the day. So there's all kinds of things that you can find to really help you be the best version of you. So we are talking about this issue of sacrifice and what it really means in our life. And so what do we have to do die to in order to live for and this is one of those hardest things that I have ever come to really understand and actually see if I can walk it out and I can tell you that the more I work on it the better I get and the better my life is I wish there was an easier faster way to get to where I want to be but I know that anything that is worth anything requires sacrifice right so when we think about sacrifice i want to tell you from just just i want to educate you a little bit on sacrifice see sacrifice is offering a material possession or in other cultures the lives of animals or humans even to a deity as an act appropriate pro- propitiation i always struggle with that word or worship So we have evidence of ritual animal sacrifices that we've seen since ancient Hebrew and Greek times, and it probably existed before that. But the evidence of ritual human sacrifice can also be found back to at least pre-Columbian civilizations, as well as European civilizations. So there's a variety of ritual non-human sacrifices that are also practiced by many or numerous religions today. So what I'm wanting you to think about is this idea of sacrifice. And so we, none of us want to really sacrifice. But if you have ever sacrificed anything in your life, we do know it feels better. And we do know that it works. And so all through history, we have all kinds of ways that people sacrificed. And usually what they did was sacrifice anything other than themselves, right? Right. The only person that ever sacrificed himself, truly sacrificed himself, was Jesus Christ. So think about that. All this history we have about sacrifice has more to do with giving something away that you think you might be able to live without, right? So some of the sacrifices were fruit or vegetables. Some were animals. Some was a portion of money that someone might have had, but not all their money. Sometimes we can say that sacrifice may be time, and that's a tough one for Americans because Americans really, really worship time. And so time is a great sacrificial process if you're actually doing it with a heart of love. So when we think about this idea of sacrifice and what sacrifice really means, I want you to think about in, in the Christianity version of sacrifice See, God became incarnate as Jesus, sacrificing his son to accomplish the reconciliation of God and humanity. And see, he had been separated from people because of their sin. And so this is where we get God's justice required some atonement for sin. So he didn't want to sacrifice his people, so he sacrificed himself. So I want you to ask yourself, what do you need to sacrifice? What needs to die for you to live? Now, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you know my favorite thing is pretzels and diet Pepsi, right? I I have been drinking diet Pepsi since I was I don't know twelve, <laughs> probably, and so. Diet soda just always was. I just always drank it. And it never gave me any problems, as far as I could tell. And so I knew that it wasn't healthy. But I wanted to sacrifice anything other than Diet Pepsi. (laughs) So what started to happen, though, in these last couple of years, and I've heard people tell me that, you know, neurotoxins is what, you know, sweeteners are. And because I never had a problem with it, i thought i was fine i thought well maybe i'm just one of these people that's not affected well it started to affect me i started to think why am i having trouble with time i'm like not taking like i'm not remembering time well or why am i not remembering names like i always used to remember them why am i having difficulty you know if i'm scheduling and i'm thinking did i write that down did i not write that down well i went to see a doctor and I never wanted to believe it, but she said, you know, I think it's the Diet Pepsi. I think that's what you need to give up. And I was like, oh, gosh. You know, I've known this for the last, what, 30 years that I probably needed to quit Diet Pepsi. But this time I thought, you know what? Wow, if I don't, what, what's going to happen to me in the next 10 years? And I won't be able to do what God has called me to do. I won't be able to be the person that I'm supposed to be. So am I willing to sacrifice? And so this was a huge sacrifice for me. Now, I'm sure for a lot of you that are listening, you're thinking, Diet Pepsi, really? That was the big deal for you? <laughs> so, you know, I, I really do understand that this time with God, when I said, okay, no more Diet Pepsi, it was a big deal. Now, you know the story. I, if you've listened to this show, you know that prior to this, in my uh, college years, I smoked all the time. And I loved cigarettes. And I hated the fact that I knew that I had to quit. And I here I am in college knowing I need to quit smoking. But my the reason for me to quit smoking was not because it was dangerous or because it was harming my health. It was really truly because... I figured that any man that I would want to marry probably wouldn't want a woman that smoked. That was just that was just my thinking when I was 20, 21. So I quit smoking. So my reason for, for quitting was very different than the reason I quit Diet Pepsi today in my life. Very different. One was very childish, and one was from an adult perspective that said, you know what, I owe things to people as well. They're depending on me. I need to take care of my health. That's an act of love that I do. I sacrifice by taking care of myself when maybe I don't want to take care of myself. And so that's a very different process than the childlike version of me that says, well, you know, I just want to really, you know, I want a a boyfriend or I want a different type of man than I would get if I was still smoking. And so I want you to think about This idea of sacrifice in your life, it doesn't really have to make sense to anybody else but you. Okay? You don't have to justify it to anyone. You may have to sacrifice driving fast. You may have to sacrifice some of the language that you like to use on a regular basis. You may have to sacrifice actually listening to the alarm and getting out of bed in time. So there's all kinds of ways that we sacrifice. And I want you to know that God appreciates all of it, but more than anything he understands very well what sacrifice is about and why it's so painful, but why it is also so very powerful. So I want you to think about, wow, what needs to die in order for me to truly live? What do I need to sacrifice for God, for myself, for my friends, my family, my job? Whatever it may be, I want you to think about this gift of sacrifice that you give to the world and to the people that love you. So join me in the next segment as we continue with this idea of sacrifice. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So I really want to encourage you to go to the website, which is at CynthiaHyatt.com, and also to go to your favorite podcast server and, and listen to the amount of shows that we have cataloged and archived over all the years that I've been doing this. And I want you to be able to take advantage of their shows. So today, if you're just tuning in, we are talking about a life beyond your wildest dreams. And we're talking about what it means to have to sacrifice in order to get the life that you truly want. And I wish there was an easier, softer way, but as we talked about in the previous segments today, the way that God knows how to have the life beyond your wildest dreams is that something always has to die. And what are we willing to sacrifice in order to have that life? I wish we could have both. I wish we could do, you know, have both, both things, that we don't have to sacrifice or work for it at all, but we still have a great life. Other, except that I don't think that life would be worth anything, actually. So I want you to really think about this. I said in the last segment that my biggest thing, one of the biggest sacrifices I've ever made in my life was to quit smoking. And that was a huge ordeal in college for me. And the way that I did it, I knew that I, would, I was going to have to drive my car down from Flagstaff down to Tempe so that I could get ready to take on the job that I was going to have in Los Angeles. And so as I went out to my car and put the last things in my car, I thought to myself, you know, if I take these cigarettes down to Phoenix with me, I probably will smoke the rest of my life. So I smoked one last cigarette I put the pack of cigarettes on the top of my car. I'm not, I'm not encouraging anyone to do this. I was, an, I was 19 years old, <laughs> so you're going to have to give me a little leeway here. So I put the, the pack of cigarettes on my car. I drove down the mountain to Tempe. I never smoked again. And so it was, a, it was an ordeal. Man, this one was tough. It was really, really tough. And so the second time I had to make a big sacrifice was when I realized that, 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 that I, because I drink so much diet soda, I love Diet Pepsi, Diet Coke, sort of okay, but I love Diet Pepsi, right? And God really started to talk to me about that and what it's doing to my body, what it was doing to my mind. And what was happening, I had heard people had told me that, well, there are neurotoxins in it and all this. And because in my whole life, it never affected me. I didn't believe it until it started to happen. And I thought, this is weird. Why do I forget that phone number? Or why am I having a hard time remembering what that person's name is? And I realized, wow, God has been very gracious to me because it took what I was drinking diet soda when I was 12, practically. And so he really helped me all through these years until he finally said, enough is enough. So I had to really sacrifice And I had to say to myself, you know, I'm not going to be the person that I know that I am if I continue to put poison in my body. So I had to sacrifice one of the most favorite things in my life, which was Diet Pepsi. I sacrificed cigarettes earlier on, but this was a big one. And so I want you to think about That when we're talking about sacrifice, when we're talking about being the best version of who we are, I want you to recognize that you don't want to trust the natural. You want to trust the one who died for you. The one that actually truly sacrificed for you, for you to be able to live. And what it means to live is that you get to make choices. Nobody's going to make you do anything. You can do whatever you want you just can't always control the circumstances or what happens afterwards so i want you to consider this idea of not trusting what seems right to you what is so natural to you but trust the one who died for you and that would be jesus why would he do that see when we are rescuing someone out of bondage we do extraordinarily creative things that might not make sense in the normal living situations. See, when God is rescuing you in the spiritual realm, it doesn't always make sense in the natural realm. It doesn't manifest naturally in a way that always makes sense. So, when you think about this, maybe God was rescuing Lazarus from bondage that we don't know anything about. And the way that he did it was letting Lazarus die. And then he raised him from the dead. See, God does whatever is needed for each and every one of us. There may be some similarities, but he is always very specific about the way that he rescues us from bondage. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about what has to die in order for you to live. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for tuning in today, and thank you so much for referring the show to your friends and family. We, you know, we really do want to be the best version of ourselves. We want to be who God has truly created us to be, what He originally envisioned. And I know for me, I'm sure this is true for all of us, At some level, we think we know better than God and we think we can do a better work than he can do until we find out that it's not true and we really do need him. So what I want you to think about is we are talking about this idea of sacrifice and what has to die so that you can have the life that you were intended to have. And so I want to read you some verses that helped me when I was going through some of this process. And this is Jeremiah 33, 3. And it says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Now, a lot of these great and unsearchable things that we don't know are about ourselves, about your calling, about how much he loves you, and the desire that he has for you to be what he originally designed you to be. So how about this? This is Ephesians three twenty. And it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. For him to, 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 who is able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. And so one of the sayings that God gave me for me, and I tell other people as well, because I love this saying, that I trust, I trust him. And so I say to myself, I either trust him or I don't. There is no in between. See, with humans, I might trust somebody uh, 50% of the time, right? I might trust somebody, wow, 90% of the time. But who, what person on the planet can I trust 100% of the time? when we all know that we're mistake-making people and we're still in a process of becoming who we're supposed to be. So I trust in God. And I say to myself, I either trust Him or I don't. See, nothing is impossible. When God says that He has overcome me, right? He's saying to me, I will overcome you as I have overcome the world. And so He helps us to overcome how much... Of what we may have done that is different than the original design how much have we altered who we are because we wanted to be someone else instead of who he made us to be so I love this verse it has helped me over the years and it's about God saying his ways are not our ways his thoughts are not our thoughts and so this is Isaiah 55 starts at verse 8 and goes through to 13 and it says for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are my ways your ways declares the lord as high as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts as the rain and the snow come down from heaven And do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, will grow into the juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, forever, an everlasting sign that will endure forever. So think about that. He is making some big promises here, and we, we are needing to say to ourselves, I've trusted myself and it has not worked well. Maybe I need to trust God. And so in Isaiah forty-three thirteen, 13, this is the Amplified. It says, yes, from the time of the first existence of day and from this day forth, I am he and there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I will work and who can hinder or reverse it. And there's another um, explanation of it. And it says, what my hands do, no man can reverse And so God is building things for us. He's building huge ways, huge highways for us to make it. He's not having this teeny tiny little narrow road that will fall off. He's saying, I'm going to expand that narrow road. So there's enough room for you to make mistakes as well as learn as you get to where I have intended for you to be. And so when we think about this and we understand that the story of Lazarus, right? It says that he was a man that was sick, and he lived in Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And when Jesus got the message that his friend was sick, he said, This sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. Now, they had a lot of difficulty with this. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and her sister and Lazarus, but oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, He stayed on where he was for two more days. And after the two days, he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. When they got there, they said, Rabbi, you can't do that. The Jews are out to kill you and you're going back? And so Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daylight doesn't stumble because there's plenty of light from the sun. Walking at night, he might very well stumble because he can't see where he's going. Now, How much of this feels like you. See, every time I read it, it feels like me, especially when he's saying, Cynthia, why are you walking in the dark? You know better than that. Well, one of the reasons I like to walk in the dark is because it's it's harder to see things I don't want people to see if I'm walking in the dark. If I walk in the light, everyone can see everything. And so this is where Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to raise your brother from the dead. And so he allowed Lazarus to die, and everyone was, oh my gosh, so upset and so sad. And he kept telling them, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. So the message for you and I is that we need to understand that he knows what he's doing, even if it doesn't make sense. Because think of this, this part of the verse, when it says, Jesus saw Mary sobbing and the Jews with her. And a deep anger welled up within him. And he said, where did you put him? And they said, Master, come and see. They said, and now Jesus wept. So the Jews said, how deeply, wow, he really loved Lazarus. And then they said to themselves, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. And then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. And it was a simple cave in the hillside, with a slab of stone laid against it. And Jesus said, hey, remove the stone. And the sister of the dead man, Martha. She says, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead for four days. And Jesus looked her in the eye. He said, didn't I tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, he said, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on an account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. See, Jesus is saying, God, I totally believe in you, but these people don't. And so he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver wrapped from head to toe with a kerchief over his face. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him, let him loose see this is what God's wanting to do for you and I the sacrifice that Jesus was doing was not pandering to all the emotional ideas that the crowd had Jesus was saying I know there's a way God's told me the way there's a specific time and there's a specific day that this is going to happen now how many of us can't wait for this specific day right or if we if we lose our faith then that day passes and we don't even realize that maybe we let go of a miracle that God wanted to give us. Maybe we didn't trust God enough to say, God, it has to be your way. Always. Not my way, but your way. And that's a tough one for me. It's tough for me to always say, okay, God, your way. Because there's a lot of times when he's doing something his way, and I don't even recognize it until way, you know, way later. And so I do pray. I do say, God, please do your way. I know your way is the best. But then sometimes I talk myself into thinking that maybe he's waiting for me to do something. So maybe the reason it's taking so long is because he's saying, is she going to show up? Is she going to help me here? Is she going to do something? And so I might try to do things in my own way, only to find that God was saying, hey, I'm, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. And will you please be patient? Will you please trust me? See, think about the seed. And the seed must die in order to live the life intended for it, right? Now, we don't revere seeds. We, ad- we don't admire them. We're not in awe of them. But we do look forward to the bloom of that seed. So what is your seed that must die in order for God to bloom in you, in order for you to be his original manifest creation? See, don't nurse the seed. Don't protect the seed. Let what is inside of it burst forth. Don't abandon the seed that he's placed in you because you don't know what it is or because it hasn't happened yet. I want you to water it, nourish it, even if it's buried at this time. The sacrifice here is waiting. Do I trust God or not? So I have to not let whatever that hope or that dream is, I can't be afraid to let it die. What if it dying... Is the very thing that gives the most beautiful bloom in my life that could have ever occurred so don't be afraid to let that thing die to break out of that outward shell Lazarus died so that we could truly live so he could live out his calling and while he was going through this sickness something was needing to die so what might have died was his sickness and that was being the sickness that was being used to kill something so what might be dying So that when I, quote, awake, I'm free. Jesus died in order for us to live. And this is what he wants us to do. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him with whatever our hopes and our dreams are, our could have, should have, would have, if only then. Whatever is the thing that we think is going to help the life that we need to live be more doable, more more palatable, palatable. And I want you to think about this. I want you to say, first and foremost, I need to not always look horizontally. So it didn't happen today, so maybe God's not going to do it. I want you to put your eyes vertically. I want you to look up. I want you to say, my hope is in God, not in my own ideas, not in my own strength, not in my own power. But I have the best friend a person ever could have. Someone that is willing to die for me and tolerate my fear, tolerate my worry, tolerate my impatience. And so he's so kind and so gentle. And many times the kindness and gentleness doesn't feel good because we think he should be working harder, doing it faster. So I want to encourage you today to really, truly sacrifice what you know needs to sacrifice so that you can truly live to be the person God's created you to be. So God bless you. I look forward to talking with you next week.
0: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician.